So let's play a game. It's called Good News, Bad News. So the good news is that the USA is not in a recession. The bad news is that the USA is not in a recession. The good news is that Bitcoin is continuing its cycle, is continuing the pump. The better news is that there are three indicators which show that this pipe, this pump may actually continue for a long time. The bad news is that there is one catch. You like the game? Okay, let's play it again. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch, go. wakey rise and shine lots going on there's a lot of price volatility today or at least if i read the comments and I, I i feel that people are experiencing high price volatility today but then i look at the price chart and there's not much going on and what this probably means that you guys are looking at this in very 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 short time frames because bitcoin's only moved 0.36 percent the whole day today so i don't know let's see if you're looking at the three minute chart Okay, I mean, if you're looking at the three-minute chart, there were some big wicks and stuff like that. You guys are just looking at the wrong time frames. Specifically, I think you are. All righty, welcome back, guys. Um, lots to talk about. A lot has happened today. We had the ECB increasing rates. We had the US GDP numbers come out. Uh, I've got some big, big, big news for you today. I've got some indicators that are showing that this rally may last. I've got one indicator showing that maybe the rally won't last as long as we think. So we're going to go through all the data today. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a, a huge, huge, huge show. What do you need to do? Subscribe to the channel, like this content. That's all we need from you. It's like, it's simple as that. And what we'll do is we'll bring you the highest alpha show uh, in crypto um, every single day. That's that's pretty much what we're going to do. So listen, let's not delay any further. Let's get straight into what's going on in the markets today because there's a lot that's going on. The first thing that actually happened was the ECB raised interest rates. The expectations were that they would raise interest rates by 0.75%. They raised interest rates by 0.75%, um, which is good. It, it basically means that they didn't raise higher than expectations. Um, we're going to talk a bit later about interest rate cycles in the rest of the world and whether or not we're nearing the top of the cycle. Because what we saw is we saw Canada raising interest rates by 0.5%. And their expectations in Canada was 0.75%. So we've got to talk about where we are in the cycle and whether some countries are already taking their foot off the gas. But before we do that, we've got to talk about how long this, this, this rally is going to last. And um, I think that's what I want to spend uh, a lot of time on because what I've seen is if we look at where we're at today, uh, that's where we're at, 20,704. We've got this breakout. We've had a slight pullback, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, as I mentioned to you guys yesterday, this is very, 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 very similar to a pattern that happened in 2018. So if I go back to 2018, let me go back to 2018, to October, November in 2018. Um, 
Okay, let's just go back. It's taking a little bit of time here, but we will get there. We will get there. We will get there. While it's doing that, subscribe to the channel, like this content. Let's all have some fun. Um, okay, so yeah, it's this, it's this over here. And you can see that the breakout that they had after 135 days is very similar to the one we've got now. And when it did break out, as I said to you guys yesterday, it went up, it went up 250%. So then the question is, is this rally actually going to last? Or, and is it maybe even the end of the bear market? Is this, is this another, uh, bear mark, another bear market rally? Let's have a look at what the data says. So there are two indicators that I saw today. One of them was a new indicator for me, but I actually did some research on this indicator. So this indicator is called the market maker balance indicator, the MMB. Okay, that's, the, that's a, an indicator. And what this indicator shows is that every time that the price breaks into this red territory over here, and then recovers through it, we then get into a new bull market and we, 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 almost, we, we almost always challenge all-time highs. So you can see it happened in 2019, it happened in 2020, it happened in 2021. And now what happened was this price indicator broke through this trend line or this, uh, this, this uh, critical line um, today. So that's one indicator that is showing good news. It's showing that we may have Bitcoin, the bear market as a thing of the past. For me, it's too soon to say this. So there was another one that I saw, and this is this one we know about. This is the, un, the net unrealized profit and loss. And this is the red areas here indicate capitulation. So the red areas have always indicated capitulation. And once we have capitulation for a short period of time, generally what happens is we recover and the market then goes straight back up. And what you can see is that we've had this area of capitulation now. And if we break up through this box and potentially we could be back on track for a bull market. So that's, that's the second indicator that is showing me that we are, that potentially we're out of the bear market. But again, for me, too soon to say, too much excitement, too soon to say, nothing is broken. There is a third indicator that I want to speak to you guys about. It's a big indicator um, that shows that maybe we're not out of the bear market, but that this rally could have a lot of legs. And that's the, the indicator that I want to speak to you guys about today. And this indicator started off yeah. So what I saw here today was <clears throat> I saw a thing called the Halloween effect. And the Halloween effect is an effect that if you, if you look it up, even if you look it up on Investopedia, it says the Halloween effect is an indicator of market timing strategy based on a hypothesis that stocks perform better from October 31 to May 1 than they do from the beginning of May through to the end of October. So it means that from Halloween to the 1st of May, stocks perform well, um, much better than they perform after between May to October. But more specifically, if you analyze the Halloween effect specifically from October to December, every single year, what you find is on most years, stock markets go up from October to December and they go up quite rampantly. So I did the hypothesis and I looked at it on Bitcoin. I went and I took the Bitcoin chart and I said, all right, look, let's look at this Halloween effect and let's see if there's any kind of merit in the fact that in the last three months of the year, Bitcoin actually goes up more than it actually goes down. And so this is what the chart looks like. In, since 2011, you have had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times where the price of Bitcoin has gone up quite aggressively into the last three months of the year. And you've had four times where the, market, the price of Bitcoin has actually come down. The good news is that where the price has come down, the amount that has come down doesn't come anywhere near uh, the volume of the pump. So 
if you look at it at face value and you take all the data that we've got on Bitcoin and you say, okay, hold on a second. Let's take the data that we got on Bitcoin and let's see what happens in the last three months of every single year. In, a, in 2011, 55%, 2012, 80%, 2013, 470%, 2014, minus 43%, 2015, 83% up, 2016, 54% up, 2017, 229% up, 2018, 45% down, 2019, uh, uh, 14% down, 2020, 170% up, and 2021, 14% down. So at face value, what, we look, what it feels like is it feels like the price of Bitcoin actually does, um, does follow this, this Halloween effect. Okay, so that's pretty much where the analysis started. Now, then I, what I said is, let me go back and look at this and let's look at on, on the years that it went up and the years that it went down, because this is quite encouraging. And if you look at this on face value and you say, hold on a second, we've just broken, we just ended October or we're ending October and we're ending October now. And it feels like we're getting a bit of a rally. We had the breakout. Now, does this mean that we're going to continue to go up into November and December and that we're going to get this Halloween effect? So at face value, you would say yes, because seven out of 11 times we've had pumps. And when we've had pumps, we've had huge pumps. Okay, now we're going to start with the caveats. The first one that I looked at is let's look at all these pumps and let's look at what happened in the months before the pump. So what you can see is on this one here, we had three down months. Cool. This one here, up. This one here, up. What happened here? We had three down months or four down months before, and we just continued downward trend. Here we had a couple of up months. Here we had a couple of up months. Here we had a couple of up months. Here we had a couple of down months. Here we had a couple of down months. Here we had a couple of up months. Here we had a couple of up months. So what you can see, if you look at this, you can see that in the years where the trend has been upwards, we have got a monster pump when it comes to Bitcoin at the end of the year. So kind of like if you had October, September, October, November, uh, sorry, August, September, and October were very good, then October, November, December were very, very good. Problem is that in the years where we went down for the previous months, like 2014, we continued to go down. In the year 2018, when we went down for three or four months before, we continued to go down. In 2019, when we went down, we continued to go down. In 2021, we went down even though we were up the year before. So again, what this told me is that even though there is a Halloween effect and it does usually work, you've got to watch out for the Halloween effect on years where the price of Bitcoin actually goes down. Okay, so you've got to watch out for it. Then what I did was, I said, hold on a second, but this is no ordinary year. And it's not an ordinary, an ordinary year, A, because prices have started to go down. B, because we're in a, well, we're not in a recession. We'll talk about that in a second. We're not in a recession. Um, and C, because this is an election year and we've got the midterm elections uh, on, on the way. And so what I wanted to see is what happens on midterm election years, because that's what you want to see. And so what I did was I did the same analysis, but all I did was I looked at the years where we had midterm elections. And coincidentally, the two years where we had midterm elections were also the two years in the whole cycle where Bitcoin went down for three or four months before the pump, before the dump. And those two years were the biggest dump in the last three months of the year. So this indicator is telling us 
You've got to treat us. If, we're going, if history is going to repeat itself, we've got to be cautious. We've got to be cautious. But now the question is whether you should trust this, this indicator or not. Because have we had this indicator in years where the stock market has been coming down and when there's quantitative tightening and stuff like that? And the answer is absolutely not. So I wanted to show you this indicator. For those of you who wanted, uh, for those of you, there's two indicators that are giving us huge hopium. There's one indicator which is saying to us, trade with caution because yes, there is hopium because there is this thing called the Halloween effect. But just be careful, just be super careful because in years where the previous uh, candles have gone red, there is a chance that we're going to go red. In years when there's an election, a midterm election, um, we're gonna, there is a bigger chance that we're going to go red. So be careful of that. So, but look, so that, that's, that's, that's what it says. Um, I think we do have to pay attention to today's uh, um, C, uh, to today's, um, not CPI print, GDP print, because I think that's a big piece of data, which I'm actually quite um, surprised about. I'm surprised that the markets haven't responded to this data. So the good news, as I said to you, is that the US GDP is 2.6%. So Q3 GDP growth is 2.6%. So why is this even used? Well, we expected 2.5%. We got 2.6%. But it also means that the US is not in a recession. And we've all been using the party line that, you know, Powell must be careful because we've had, we had two quarters of negative GDP growth. And because we had two quarters of, of negative GDP growth, we made the assumption that the US was actually in a recession. Problem is that now that the US has actually grown by 2.6%, I, I think it's unfair to say that the US is still in a recession. Okay, so we've come out of the recession. Why is that bad news? I mean, great, we're not in a recession. That's good news, isn't it? Well, it's not about, it's not about, um, it's, not, it's not good for us. And the reason why it's not good for us is because if we're not in a recession, if we're not in a recession, then that means that Powell can continue to increase interest rates because the risk of a recession is now reduced. We can say to him, hey, Powell, you can't keep increasing interest rates because there's a risk that you're going to put the U.S. into recession. And they'll now say, well, hold on a second. We're not in a recession. We had 2.6% uh, GDP growth, which is higher than expectations. And so that's why I said it's good news and it's bad news. Obviously, we, we don't want a recession because that means people are going to lose their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. But for markets, we want Powell to take his foot off the, off the, the interest rate hike accelerator. And for that, we need, we need the economy to slow down. And the economy actually grew, the GDP actually grew by 2.6%, which is, which is not a great thing. So um, that is the, um, the, recession, the recession news, or the, the, the not recession news. Um, I showed you the indicators. I do now want to show you one other thing, which, which, I thought, which I saw, which was very, 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 very encouraging. So it started off with a tweet. And then when I took the tweet, I then went and got some more research for us. And the tweet was a plain one-liner tweet, which said 74% uh, of institutions plan to buy Bitcoin um, or crypto, Fidelity. So that was, that was the tweet. So there is a lot of good news in this tweet. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of news that to unpack in that, in that one-liner tweet, which I think is amazing. Regardless of any indicators, regardless of whether you want to follow this indicator over here, which says that the bear market may be over, or this indicator over here, which says the bear market may be over, or this indicator over here, which is the Halloween effect, which kind of says we may get a, a rally, but there's, there are exceptions, and unfortunately, we fall into two, two of those exceptions. But there's a lot of good news in this, in this tweet. And so I went and I, caught, and I went and I looked at the article which summarizes this survey. So the survey goes to investment managers, and the investment managers were asked about their views on crypto. 
And so this is how they responded. So the first thing is what the tweet said, and that is that 74% of institutions plan to buy Bitcoin or crypto in, uh, in, in the future. Okay. But then there's more. The first thing that we realized is that 58% of investors reported already owning digital assets, and that is in the first half of 2022. Okay, so when we keep saying the institutions are coming, the institutions are coming, the institutions are coming, we've got to be, we've got to be realistic about this thing and say, look, actually, the institutions are already here. 50%, 58% of the institutions that were surveyed said that they already had uh, crypto in, in, 20, in 2022. The next thing is, if you look at where the highest ownership is, it was in Asia, the second was the European, and last was the US. So obviously, because of all the, the, um, the uh, what you call it, all the re regulation, legislation, and the SEC uh, flip-flopping on crypto, et cetera, et cetera, um, the US has, has really suffered, and US investment managers aren't really putting their money into crypto. So that's a good thing, because it means that when they do get regulation, then the other 58% of, of, of these guys will actually be able to put more stuff into crypto. Here's where it gets super interesting. Okay, so which institutions are investing? Forget about that. What are they investing in? So the question is, what are these guys actually investing in? And the big answer here is that these guys are actually investing, the majority of these guys are actually investing majority in Bitcoin. Why is that good news? Because that means that soon they will start investing in Ethereum because Ethereum is not as bad for the environment as Bitcoin is. Ethereum has a high staking yield. Ethereum is deflationary. In fact, let me quickly check, but I think today is the first day that Ethereum is actually really deflationary. Let's check it out quickly while we're all here. Oh, very close, but not yet. Remember, as soon as Ethereum goes below this line, then Ethereum becomes deflationary. So we're very, 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 very close to being deflationary. So the good news is that 74% of these guys saying they're going to buy more crypto the better news is that they're going to start buying probably a whole lot of altcoins because up until now, they've only invested in Bitcoin, which is, which is great. Um, I, I guess if you want to try and find some bad news in the report is that you know over 50% of investment managers have already bought Bitcoin. And you kind of, even though they, they're probably going to buy more and they're probably going to upweight, we're not as early as we were when 20 or 10% of, of institutions or 0% of institutions had bought crypto. So... Um, I guess we've got, to, we've got to look at that uh, quite objectively. Cool. What else? Well, there was Meta's earnings yesterday. Remember I said to you, there is absolutely no way in the world that Meta's earnings can be good. There was, there's absolutely no way in the world that Meta's earnings can be good. I think that business is badly, badly, badly run. And the numbers show that the business is actually badly, badly run. I think that Mark Zuckerberg lives in his metaverse in his head and in the metaverse in his head where he has complete control over facebook he thinks this is a, a game that he's playing pretty much like living in a metaverse right and so yesterday metaverse meta not metaverse actually reported their earnings and as you can see the market's open now and the market has absolutely punished them oh, how's that so you got the, the candles up here and then the new candle started printing over here and Meta is now down 23.35% after the terrible, terrible, terrible earnings here that, that these guys reported. And ironically, I actually think that these earnings show how crypto is starting to, to take over. And I'll show you this. I'll, I'll show you this in a second. So let's just quickly look at the numbers. The first thing is the earnings were down 49%. 
their revenues were down 44%. And what caused their earnings to be down is that their cost base is ridiculously high. And they lost $50 billion in market cap in, 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 the last, uh, in the last 24 hours. So here's the report. Here's what we can see in the report. So the first thing is, what do we see? The first thing is I said to you, any business which is reliant on advertising revenue is going to suffer. And you can see that the advertising revenue got completely, completely smashed. Let's quickly look at the costs because the costs is where this thing gets juicy. So look at the costs. Their costs are up in Q3 2022. Any business that's reliant on advertising revenue and has higher costs, well, you're asking for, for disaster. And this is what disaster looks like. You can see that their earnings, I don't know, I mean, would you, does this look like a healthy company to invest in? A company that's been going down and down and down and down and down. It's, it's a dog show. I mean, Carl, would you invest in this thing? Uh, yeah, exactly. I think that this is. I think that, I think that what this shows is that that Meta has hit an an, an inflection point. And the reason why I think Meta's hit an inflection point is because they've forgotten what they're good at, and they've forgotten they don't they've they've, they've lost their identity. As someone said, uh, as it was in that letter, they have too many people, they have too many projects, and they have not enough urgency, and they're focused on all the wrong thing. And you know what? I saw this. A while back and i want to show it to you guys because it's co it's going to give us a copyright strike oh, the view's so pretty for you guys Met up with some friends for i'm willing to the life. but it's worth watching this again as a 23 year old product manager at meta i always journal in the morning i then do a quick workout routine i get dressed i try to look cute every day got some food at the office i make a coffee every single morning I need that. I did some work on the roof, worked until lunch, and then ate up there. Here's me being cute. I got a snack always. I then shuttled home. The view's so pretty. Met up with some friends for dinner, and then my boyfriend came over and was acting like a DJ for my dog. Day in the life as a 23-year-old so, product manager at. So I mean, this is like this is this is this. I mean, I, it, look, this may not even be real, but it, it does show what's wrong with Facebook. They've lost complete focus. The other thing is that the one division that is being criticized at Meta that is losing them a lot of money is the investment that they're making into their Metaverse. Um, and that Metaverse lost almost $3.7 in Q3. And to date, it's lost over $10 billion. Okay, so Meta has put over $10 billion into this Metaverse division. And they really don't have very much to show for it. And as I said to you yesterday, I think it's amazing that Meta is actually spending so much money on the Metaverse. Because if they don't spend this $10 billion, who will spend this $10 billion? But the problem is that they have nothing to show for it. And in fact, everything that they have shown up until now looks like a very bad version of a video game. And I'm not the only one who says that. Um, the creator of Oculus who actually sold his company to Meta, he was the guy who created the Oculus, the, the Oculus glasses. He also said that Meta's efforts in the metaverse have been completely terrible. And so I think... The biggest mistake that Meta are making now is that they need to remember that they are not good at building shit. They're good at buying stuff. So if you look at it, okay, obviously they built Facebook and Facebook was great in the beginning, but right now Facebook's a piece of shit. Then the other two businesses they've got that are half decent, they didn't even build. So for example, WhatsApp. WhatsApp's a great product. It's used by a lot of people. It's, a, it's an amazing product. But remember that Facebook never built WhatsApp. The other big product that Facebook own or the other 
uh, a big product that people use at Facebook own is um, Instagram. They bought Instagram. They didn't build Instagram. And now what they're trying to do is they're trying to build something. They're trying to build this metaverse dream that Mark Zuckerberg has. And they've paid, they've spent over $10 billion and they've got nothing to show for it. So I think that that's where, the, where, where they've gone wrong. I think that Mark Zuckerberg's living in this, in this bubble. He wants to win in the metaverse, but I don't think they have the skills and competence to actually build stuff. They have too many people, too, too many people, too many projects, not enough urgency and not enough focus. And I think that they're never going to succeed. And the market is absolutely punishing them for it. And there is a crypto angle to this in a second, which I'll show you. But the market's punishing them for it because in 2016, Facebook was valued at $350 billion. In 2021, Facebook was valued at a trillion dollars. Now let's look at what Facebook are worth right now. $268 billion. So right now, Facebook is 30% cheaper than it was in 2016. Okay, The market is absolutely punishing Facebook for what they're doing. It just doesn't like what they're doing and how they're doing it. The other thing which I saw is this. If Facebook falls below $70 market cap, it will have a market cap less than Ethereum. And now, cool that we're doing these calculations of comparing Facebook to Ethereum, but I think there's a much deeper message here. And the much deeper message goes something like this. The new technology, the, the, if you would have looked at Facebook in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021, you would have said that those are the most valuable companies in the world, the most valuable fast-growing companies in the world. You look at it in 2022, they're on the decline. And not only on the, on, the, on the decline, but the stuff that is actually on the incline, that is eating their pie, are things like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And so I went and took a chart, asked Kyle Dupes to help me create a chart, and we created a chart of BTC, USD versus Meta. And we, what, what this shows is that if you would have invested in the one technology versus the other technology, if you would have invested in the new blockchain technology versus the old Facebook technology, this is the return that you would have made from 2015. From $1, from one, the ratio being 1.6, all the way up to 160. So, I mean, that just, it just shows you that the old type of technologies, the old technological kings are now being replaced by new technological kings by Ethereum, by Bitcoin. And if you plot the charts of Facebook and against Ethereum or, uh, 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 or, or Facebook against Meta against Ethereum or Meta against um, uh, uh, Bitcoin, it shows you that the old technology is being completely displaced by the new technology. So that's uh, Facebook. Today we have big earnings. Today is huge. Today is, today is massive. I mean, you know, you can also see it here. Look at this. Look at this. You've got Snapchat down 88.5% from all-time high. Meta down 72% from all-time high. And Bitcoin and Ethereum actually less down from their all-time high than these big, what they used to call the stable fang investments. Maybe this is the stable fang investment. I don't know. Um, anyway, today we've got big results. I think today after the bell, we've got Apple and we've got Amazon. So let's quickly talk about what could happen with Apple and Amazon. Be careful being in trades this afternoon because I think that Apple is also going to disappoint. Remember, they've warned us about moving their iPhone production to Vietnam. They've warned us about Ebola, not Ebola, uh, COVID outbreaks in the factories in China, not Ebola. Um, <laughs> um, so, so be careful. Be careful when trading today because I think that what could happen is that Apple may actually disappoint. I don't know about Amazon. I don't know about Amazon. 
let's just see what the market's doing at the moment. So yeah, you see the NASDAQ's kind of prepping for what's going on. I think Facebook's dragging down the NASDAQ. NASDAQ futures are down 129 uh, points, which is 1.15%. Uh, By the way, let's look at the Dixie. So this Dixie chart, it broke down below this huge trend that it's been on since January. It's now just above it. I think we must keep our eyes on this trend and see if we can break down below this trend. If you look at it on the short trend, if you look at it on the short trend, so if you look at it here, if you take that trend, so on the shorter time, on the shorter trend, I think we've actually done, we've actually broken. But on the longer trend, we haven't broken. So if you take it all the way back down to the January trend, we haven't broken, we haven't broken below that trend over there. So, okay, anyway, um, you, you can see what, what, what it's going on, what's going on. Cool, so that's that. Um, so yeah, that's the woes that Facebook's got. Remember, be careful this afternoon. Make sure you you watch after the bell and you watch the app on Amazon earnings. You've got to, you've got to watch the app on Amazon earnings. Uh, then we have uh, also today, oh, yeah, yesterday, sorry, we have, we have Twitter, which is going to be delisted from the New York Stock Exchange on the 28th. When is the 28th? What are we in today? 27th today. So tomorrow, Twitter gets delisted from the New York Stock Exchange. And that's because Elon walked in yesterday. He walked in with the kitchen sink <laughs> and took it private. I mean, a couple of things we've got to look at. One is Elon's lost a lot of weight. And that's probably after that picture with the boat. Remember that, that picture with the boat where, where people, where, where he looked like a girl? Hold on, I'm actually going to find that picture because I, I, I know it's somewhere here. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you can see that I think, I think he got so much hate after this picture over here. Um, hold on a second. Let me just quickly close that so you guys can see it. So I think he got so much hate after this pic over here that he decided to, to actually lose weight. So the first thing that we can see is that, you know, Elon actually lost a lot of weight. Um, the second thing that we can see is that he brought in the kitchen sink. And I think by bringing in the kitchen sink, I think he sent a very, very, very strong message to Twitter employees and specifically, specifically uh, uh, the Twitter employees that wrote him that letter and request dignity and respect and whatever else. He's coming in there to clean up and he came in with the kitchen sink and he's going to throw everything and the kitchen sink out of Twitter, I think. I think that's what's happening. I think he's coming in and he's sending a message. I'm going to throw out everything, including the kitchen sink. We're going to clean this place up. He's making a strong, 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 uh, strong, strong, strong statement. But then, but then, but then, but then, you see, you got to be, you got to be smarter. You got to be, you got to know where to look. It feels to me like the US government doesn't want Elon to own Twitter. It just feels to me like, like Twitter is a political weapon and the government is worried that in the wrong hands, they may lose their ability to, to sway what happens in elections and stuff like that. It just feels to me like that. And remember that just before Elon was going to buy Twitter, they came out and they told him that, the, that there needs to be a security assessment done on every merger and acquisition does because it's now a security risk. And then, you know, isn't it, isn't it funny that like one day before the Twitter deal closes, one day before the Twitter deal closes, ironically, in a twist of, of, of I don't know what you call this, but exclusive, Tesla faces U.S. criminal probe over its autopilot technology. Isn't that like weird? Isn't it like just like, hugely coincidental that, that stuff like that happens? I mean, I, you know, I'm, I don't know. I may be digging too deep. I, I, I may be digging too deep.
Who knows? I don't know. Am I digging too deep here? I don't know. You know, <laughs> conspiracy theorists are just people that come up, come to the conclusion first before it happens. That's, that's what it is. Um, okay, this is big news now because this is big news, and I'm, I'm I'm really upset by this news. So I'm going to take a second just to breathe in and breathe out. This is big news. This is big news. It's upsetting news. It's really, really, really upsetting news. It's such bad news. You know, I'll move on to the next story and we'll talk about the story afterwards. Okay, because I just, I'm not relaxed enough to talk about the story. So we'll jump one story. We'll talk about the Canada rate hike. So Canada increased their rates 50 basis points and they were expected to increase by 75 basis points. So uh, maybe maybe things are starting to slow down. Maybe that's what's happening. Everyone wants this story. I, I'm going to do it. I just need to calm myself down because I'm so angry about this story. I'm angry, angry, angry. Um, let's talk about some other things. So uh, first of all, Sam Bankman-Fried is now talking about FTX uh, creating their own stablecoin. Yesterday, there were rumors, and that came from a business insider a story, that SBF may actually be looking at Coinbase as an acquisition target. This is after the criticism that he's actually been getting from a lot of people. Um, BitBoy, even Kanye. Kanye said that, I think, did Kanye say that SBF owns, uh, was trying to own, hold on, let's just quickly, Kanye on SBF. There was something here, there was something here. I remember reading something and he said something like, he said something like, uh, SBF owns the whole of crypto or something like that. You know, I'm going to look for it here. I had it, it was definitely here somewhere. Anyway, Kanye came out and he said that SBF wants to own the whole of crypto. And he says he is getting this pushback. He has been called the person who's trying to centralize crypto um, uh, very much. And now he's saying that he is going to release his own uh, FTX stablecoin. And I think what he's doing here is he's seen the success of the BNB stablecoin. And the BNB stablecoin, you know, the Binance stablecoin, the BUSD, has grown. It's over a $20 billion market cap, which is like one third of USDT's market cap uh, is, now, um, is now a BUSD. And I think Sam Bankman-Fried's seen this and he's saying, look, I actually want to, want to play in this game. Um, at the same time, um, there is more news in the scoop. Um, DeFi advocates are holding meetings with SBF and Senate to make constructive changes to the, the language pertaining to DeFi in the bill that, that, they, that they drafted. And they're talking about being four to five sentences away from having a good bill. I wonder, I wonder, how, I wonder, how, bad, I wonder how bad this bill actually is. Um, cool, there is other news. In fact, you know, let's go back to the story that I told you where, where my blood was boiling. So just give me one second. I just want to get my... Okay, so I'm back. I think I'm more relaxed. So... Remember what PayPal did. Remember that they unilaterally decided that they could just deduct $2,500 from your account if you, if you spoke badly, if you, if, you, if, you, if you spoke badly. Well, they then came out and they withdrew that. They said, look, it's not happening anymore. And that was after a backlash. But what I read today is this. So even after criticism, they a couple of weeks ago that they said that they could enable them to take $2,500 from your account. Every time they, you post something they don't like, they put it right back in. Okay. So this is the, the article that I saw and it feels like, okay, uh, goodbye. Um, 
Okay, so on the 8th of November, the company updated its terms of service to include a clause that would enable it to withdraw $2,500 from users' accounts for simply posting anything, the, posting anything the company, the company deems as misinformative or offensive. Okay, obviously, we, there was a, 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 unsurprisingly, there was a backlash. Um, let's have a look here. But I think they've now put it back into their terms of service. They've now put it back into their terms of service, which, which is absolutely, absolutely crazy. There were countless others that da da da. Let's just quickly find it out here. Yeah, so they came out and they said, if you are a seller and receive funds for transactions that violate acceptable use of policy, then in addition to subject to the above, you'll be liable to pay PayPal the amount of damages caused by the violation. You acknowledge that you agree that $2,500 US dollars per violation is an acceptable policy. So they've now gone and, and put it back into your thing. And it, I don't know, it just feels to me like it's probably time to close your PayPal account. And if you're going to close your PayPal account, then what should you use? Bitcoin. Just use Bitcoin. PayPal does, Bitcoin does everything that PayPal does. It does it cheaper. It does it faster. It does it, it does it a whole lot of things. Um, what else? There's more. Let's, let's, we've got some time. Let's do more. Let's do more. Um, yesterday, I, I shared a tweet. I should have shared it with everybody else around MVX. Um, MVX is a fork of, of GMX. And it's too late. I think it might be too late now. Let's quickly look at it. So what it is, it's a fork of GMX. It's got no, no price impact for any order sizes. 100% fees paid out, of, uh, pay, paid out. And yesterday it was very cheap. But I think that we are a little bit late now. Damn. But it's really something that I wanted to bring to the community. But I think after the move that it's had... Yeah, at 415, 60% up in the day. I think probably leave it. It's it's exactly the same thing. It's a fork. It's a fork. Um, you got to be careful when you buy forks. Because remember, like sushi swap was a fork of Uniswap, and it never actually quite caught up to the fork, to, to the forked amount. So I think maybe for now we leave this one alone. Um, tomorrow we're gonna spend some time talking about Algorand. And I think the reason why we need to spend some time talking about Algorand is because I saw this. Um and what it is, is it shows that Algorand processed over 2.3 million transactions without a hiccup um, in the last seven days. They added over 800,000 new addresses, and they now have 28 million addresses. So there is something going on at Algorand. They have got a FIFA partnership for the World Cup. You know that, right? So it could be ahead of the, uh, uh, ahead of the World Cup, but we're going to do a deep dive into Algorand tomorrow because I think if there is something there, we need to find it. The total value locked has been increasing. Um, yeah, so I think we need to, if there is something there, we probably need to find it. Um, is there anything else that we want to talk about today? I guess we should probably talk once more about the trading competition. Oh, I've got to give away an ETH. I will give away an ETH today. Uh, because why? Because I said the following. So I'm going to give away five times one ETH giveaway. What you need to do, you need to follow me on Twitter. You need to open up a Bybit or BitGet account using the link below. Sign up for one of our trading competitions. And then I'm going to give away one ETH. So I'm going to give it until the end of the day. Um, because I, I posted this like two hours ago. I didn't give enough people time to do it. But one lucky person who is on the, who has liked, shared, retweeted, done everything that you're supposed to do will actually win one Ethereum and will credit your Bybit account or your BitGet account with that Ethereum. Right now in the competition, ladies and gentlemen, I'm number 26. Carl is number? Uh, 50. 50. You should attend my trading course. Paid group. It's a paid group. How much does it cost? For you, we'll, we'll make a special, for you, a special price. Special price. 
with happy ending. <laughs> have happy ending. Have happy ending. You want massage? You want massage? With happy ending? No happy ending? Long, long time, short time, good time? <laughs> you want massage? <laughs> I know you want massage. I always want massage with the person. I know because I've traveled with you, bro. <laughs> All right, kids. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you want to be. You want massage? Please, please, please. You want massage? <laughs> Not from you. Happy ending? No happy ending. No, I don't forgive you from earlier. You want long time or good time? <laughs> See you guys again tomorrow. <laughs> Until then, have fun. Uh, I'm, uh, the comments here are saying I'm the most PC, politically correct YouTuber. I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not the most politically correct YouTuber.